childhood days are gone and time keeps moving on it seems as though the months the years quickly slip away the life of faith you offered examples of God's love is the life I long to share with others today. Your arms reach down to lift me when I'd fallen. Your arms would hold me when I was afraid. Your eyes could see right through the dark and stormy clouds and point me to a brighter day. Your steps would set a path that I could follow. Your words of hope my broken dreams could mend. 
Your heart of love would always show me Jesus. But it was your life that led me to One of the things that I loved about the portion of scripture that we read today from our scripture lesson has to do with the fact that um, Jesus gives us a pretty good picture of what he would expect in a father. And uh, you may not see that right away, but I want you to understand. So turn, if you would, in your Bible to this uh, portion, Luke 8. And as we're turning, I'm going to dismiss children for junior church. Children, four and through fourth grade, go. By the way, um, Mark and Bethany have gone away on a trip, a much-deserved trip. And the Lord has blessed them in being able to visit Hawaii. And uh, so Grammy and Poppy are blown away this week. <laughs> no, we have... Uh, we rejoice in the fact that um, these kids have been able to, to see a part of the world they've never visited and to just be together and to kind of renew and to have this time, a special time. So please pray for Bethany and Mark through this week. They will be back uh, Sunday, next Sunday, uh, sometime in the day, but he turns right around and is going to Greenville to pick up supplies for school from BJ Press. So pray for them and pray for us as we care for these children, our wonderful grandchildren. Such a joy. It's wonderful to have uh, Ben and Haley with us and their children as well. This has been a, a, a granddad's delight this time during VBS and then as we enter into this week as well. What a joy it is to serve the Lord. Luke chapter 8, uh, if you remember, we read from verse 41 through the end and uh, end of that chapter. And uh, what we did was had an opportunity to meet a man by the name of uh, uh, Jairus. And Jairus was a, uh, a leader, a ruler, actually the head man in the synagogue. And uh, having that position put him in a very high position of ruling not only the synagogue, but the community in, in ways that maybe we wouldn't understand today in our relationship to the body where we worship. But a um, very powerful, powerful man, a man who knew the law, and probably lived to the letter of the law, took great pride in doing so, and, and yet he had seen Jesus. He had heard Jesus speak. He had been... Uh, with uh, the, the multitudes as they saw Jesus at work just prior to this 
narration here, narrative in beginning at verse 41. So he was a man who had been exposed to Jesus and he had, he had, had uh, set in his mind and heart uh, some, some, uh, the truth and I believe that he was looking to Messiah and it changed his life, it transformed his life and as we look at this I want you to understand uh, what I'm thinking as I see uh, this man by the name of Jairus uh, who was, I believe, a great father, probably one of the greatest biblical fathers there is. And I want you to understand why I say that. And so I'm not going to read all of it, but I would just direct your attention to certain verses. You know, in our world, we, uh, uh, from a worldly perspective, we have a regard, a high regard for men of position, or maybe they're kings, or maybe they're presidents, or maybe they're uh, business officials who have done well, and they have passed the test, and they have been successful. And maybe there's a, a sense of uh, interest and, 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 and caring for the throngs, and yet we come to them, and, and for some reason we, we, we regard them as worthy men. We regard them in a very special way. And we regard them as great. And there are, are people who are not believers that I look to throughout history whom God has used in his own way and I admire them for the fact that they were in the place where God could use them. Maybe not trusting him in a personal way, but God used them and they are regarded as great. And then uh, there are people, you know, kings and, and, and people like that who have, have made a great name for themselves and, and they have been people who have, have, have kept the peace or they've, they've conquered in order that people uh, may live in peace. And uh, maybe they're generals or uh, great leaders in battle who we admire. And I know usually young boys admire uh, military people and especially in my day uh, it was just after World War II and the Korean conflict and, and the, they were fathers of my community who were in the military and when, when World War II came to a close and then there was the Korean uh, War, why we were able to get helmets and canteens and some of the things that had been given to uh, those folks and we made up our own wars, of course, and we, we spent day after day after day kind of um, responding to the way we felt our dads or our community men had re reacted, and there was great patriotism. We regarded the men like that, our, our military men, people who had served. In any way, we, were part, we, we regarded them as, as, with, uh, as great men and uh, great fathers in a real sense. And, and we do it even today. Look at the athletes of today. The world regards athletes as great people. And yet oftentimes we find that their personal lives are crumbling so that it is detestable. And there are many times when I, uh, when I view things and I get excited about a ball game or excited about one of the heroes of, the, of, of athletics of some kind of uh, sports, and they do well, and it's, it's just glorious, you know, and everybody's behind them, and then 
A couple of days later, they come falling down off their great, that great uh, place position. And yet our world continues to respect them and regard them as great. There's something wrong, isn't there? But I want you to see something else here. There's a view that comes from above, above all of it. That's the view that comes from the heart of the Lord. And it's his regard that really does matter. Men who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Men who have come from the, the, the clutches of sin and degradation and filth and the mire of messed up lives. And yet God holds them up as men with regard because they have come by faith to Jesus Christ. There are men who have been faithful, yes, faithful in this day and age to their wives and to their families. We don't see it much any, anymore. And yet, I believe that view from above is that God holds in high regard men who are faithful to the principles of fatherhood and, and being good husbands and the principles of honoring uh, uh, the word of God and living with integrity. Men who have been examples to their children. Oh, they may not have had a, a, a lofty type of job. They may not have had uh, have many medals to show. But God regards them highly. And I want to talk about men like this because these are the men we ought to be regarding in our lives. And if we will do that, we will understand that we place that as an importance in our lives and our children will see the response that we have in the position of regard in which we place strong Christian men who are faithful to their families, faithful to their wives, faithful to the integrity of the word of God and all that God has. And so I want us to see this, and I believe that this man, uh, Jairus, is a man just like that. Now, he was considered in the community with great regard. He was considered great. But beyond that, because basically in our day and age, we look back as Christians and we see the religiosity of the Pharisees and this Pharisee, uh, this, this whole idea of the system that was in place that was not honoring to God at all. And yet these men were basically held in high regard and considered to be great. But here's a man by the name of Jairus. And this man is a man who did the greatest thing that a man can do that a father, I'm going to change that, that a father can do. And this the first point of my message today is we see that Jairus did the greatest thing that a father can do. And it's in verse 41. Look at verse 41. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And listen to this. He fell down at Jesus' feet, and besought him that he would come into his house. Go to 42. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. 
Now, what I want you to see in this, I consider him great. I believe God considers him great because he did the greatest thing a father could do. He comes and he falls at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ on behalf of his children. Now, your children may not be laying on a deathbed, physical death, but they are born as sinners into a corrupt society, into a corrupt world. And I believe that God has placed in the heart of every man, every father, the responsibility to bring his children by faith to Jesus Christ. Maybe not because of physical death, but because of spiritual death. Do you realize, fathers, how important it is for your children to come alive? Can you imagine an eternity without your children? And I believe that God allows us to see this aspect of this father, a great father. He came to Jesus, this ruler of the synagogue, this man who had clout in his community, this man who sat high in the echelon of society of that day in the culture of the Jews, a ruler, a leader among his people. But I want you to notice how he came to Jesus there in that scripture we read. He came humbly. The word says he fell at Jesus' feet. What other ruler have you ever heard of falling at Jesus' feet? There are many times, men, that we have an opportunity to expound upon the greatness or the loveliness of Jesus or the worthiness of Jesus, and we hesitate. Why? I believe it comes right down to pride. But the worst of all is that we don't care enough to bring our children to the feet of Jesus. Father's Day, the song that was just sung as we entered into this time, can, can your children say it about you? Just thinking about it, just thinking about the words that Ashley sang, it puts in my heart a, a sense of, oh my goodness, apart from God, I utterly fail every day. I haven't a clue how to be a good dad. It's all of God's grace but it has to come when we humble ourselves at the feet of Jesus. Like this man Jairus did. He humbly fell at Jesus' feet. The Bible is inferring that he came with a very troubled heart. And that troubled heart brought him down off his throne, so to speak, and put him at the feet of Jesus. Dads, are you praying for your kids? Are you living for your kids? Are you earnestly seeking that opportunity to, to, to see your children with the knowledge of the holy? The knowledge of Jesus Christ because that's life or death. It doesn't have to do with disease that we know of in the physical realm. It has to do with the, the, the natural condition of, of sinners, lost and undone, hopeless. And yes, it's your little ones 
without Christ. Now, doesn't that motivate you to pray for that child or that teenager or that young man or that young woman or that, that child who is, who is uh, half your age? There should be that sense of, of, of desperation in the heart of a godly man who wants to see his children saved and in heaven alongside him. There's no greater joy to a dad than hearing his children tell how they have they've been transformed by the power of God. They've been reborn. They've been saved. They're new creatures in Christ Jesus. And to my way of thinking, it means... As I think about my grandchildren, not only my children, but my children's children and the children who will follow unless the Lord comes again real fast. And as a granddad, I have an awesome responsibility to those who follow. And I'm ashamed of myself so oftentimes when I give in to weariness or I give in to selfishness or self-centeredness or I, I just give in to the lust of my flesh desiring. When Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, I'll take care of the rest of it. You take care of the kids that I've given to you. Is there anything more important than that? What is it that brought Jairus to Jesus? It was an upset in his home. Some of you are here today and there's an upset in your home. And you're trying to handle it through all kinds of other ways. Maybe you've read this thing and you've read this thing and you're going to try this and you're going to try this. When you need to humble yourself before Jesus and cry out to him because your child is sick. That brought Jairus to Jesus. It was a problem that he could not solve. Dads, are you hearing? Grandparents, are you hearing? It's a problem that you cannot solve. You have to throw yourself upon Jesus. It's a need of the touch of God on the one you love. But maybe that's not important to you. I want you to see something else here. I believe that Jairus here in this scripture demonstrates the greatest example of a father's love. Look at verse 42. We read it. He had only one daughter about 12 years of age and she lay a dying. He came to talk to Jesus about his child. And I would say, I don't care what your economic status is today. I don't care if you're dirt poor. I don't care if you're wealthy or somewhere in between. The most privileged children in the world are those with a dad like this. And if you're a single parent, a mom like this. A church group of men and women praying for children. 
but they're the most privileged children in the world, those whose parents pray and seek God on behalf of them. Privileged because their names are often before the throne of God. That's the throne of grace, by the way. Who are the most underprivileged people? Not the ones that are just poverty struck in that sense, in the way we know it. Most underprivileged children are those who grew up in godless homes. Some of you came from godless homes and you can say, praise God, he intervened in my life. And because he did, I'm going to make sure my children have an opportunity to know Jesus Christ personally. But the most underprivileged children are those who have no access to Christ in their homes. Those whose parents do not pray for them. Jairus was a great dad. He did the greatest thing a father can do. He, he demonstrates for us the greatest example of fatherhood. And I don't mean taking the kid fishing or to a ball game or teaching them to play some sport or to get into the books and do this. Those are all things that are part of being a good dad. But I'm talking about the privilege of bringing your children to Christ. The most important thing in all of your life. And we can pray as God's children. We have the opportunities to come and pray as God's children for our children and to expect answers. Now, when you pray for your kids, are you just expecting? Of course, naturally, my Heavenly Father's going to meet the need of my child. He knows the sin sickness. He knows the desperate condition. The Bible gives us a, a number of fathers who prayed faithfully for their children, men like Noah. And I think of Abraham. You talk about men who were tested and tried. And yet, because of their faithfulness, God honored their prayers. Men like Job. We haven't seen anything yet, have we? Men like Joshua, the mighty Joshua. The third thing I want, and the last I want to talk about uh, Jairus and why I say, say he's, he's, he's great from the regard of Almighty God and the church as well. He faced the greatest test of a father's faith. Verses 49, verse 49 begins it. Look at 49, says, While he yet spake, there cometh one of, from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. Do you know what our world, our society would say to a father who is struggling to bring his children to Christ. It's too late. It's too late. No point in you doing this. Look what they said to Jairus. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the master anymore. That's from the pit of hell, people. You need to storm the gates of heaven 
on behalf of your loved ones, on behalf of your children, on behalf of other people's children as well. When he's waiting, this is a test. Look at this, this greatest test a father can have. While he's, he's, he's waiting there and Jesus is taking time dealing with this woman, healing her 12 years with this issue of love, and here's a 12-year-old child dying. That's a test. And he's, he awaits the news of his child's welfare. And the, when the news came, it was bad news, as we just read. His daughter was dead. But Jesus offers encouragement, even though the world considers the child dead. You see, Jesus knows and understands far greater than we can. He sees so much more than we can. Oh yes, the child was not breathing anymore. But Jesus knows. And some of you are in that place even now. I think some of you older parents, you have kids who are out there doing their thing. And right now you're, you're bringing them to Jesus. I want you to hang on and trust the Lord. When the world says, oh, he's gone. When the church says, oh, he's gone, forget him. You persevere. You get down before the Lord Jesus. You bring that child afflicted with deadness, spiritual deadness to him. And you'll find encouragement in the word of God from the Lord Jesus at that dark moment. Listen to what he says to Jairus. He says, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. This is the master of life saying this to Jairus. You see, nothing takes the Lord Jesus by surprise, folks. For some reason, we get into our heads the worldly way of thinking. We serve a God of miracles. We serve a God who has prepared a way. We serve a God who thinks beyond our thinking. And nothing takes him by surprise. Not even a, a father who dances through life thinking the almighty dollar is the most important thing or an education is the most important thing or the toys. Not when there's a dead child at stake. And Jesus had prepared Jairus for this moment, I believe. In verses 41 through 48, we have the healing of the woman with the issue of blood. That was just along the way. And he's seeing this. Jairus is seeing this. His little daughter is, is laying dead. But he's seeing that this woman, this unclean woman, just simply approaches Jesus and touches his garment. God's in charge, folks. And you see, 
Walking with Jesus, listen fathers, walking with the Lord Jesus gives us the opportunity to encounter faith builders all along the way. Are you taking, I, I think you ought to have a notebook of faith builders all along the way. In the difficulties of life, Jesus, you walk along with Jesus and he's going to give you those faith builders. <coughs> and I want you to know the Bible teaches us that he responds to faith he gifts us with faith, <clears throat> but we need to be walking along with him. Nothing takes him by surprise. He offers this in, in, in incredible encouragement to Jairus. And then in verses 50 to 56, we see that the daughter of this great dad was healed. Praise the Lord. Healed by our great Savior. We sang that. That was the first song we sang. Our great Savior. And some of us just sing it and let it just fall over our lips or don't sing at all. And rather than to express the song that God has given to you in your heart and in your life. We serve a great Lord. This Woman was healed by a great Savior. This daughter of this, this ruler of the synagogue was healed by our great Savior. Nothing is beyond the power of Jesus Christ. Is there somebody near you that you love or that you desire to see come to Christ that there's just something in your, in your chest that is, is like a big rock saying, never happen, never happen? Give up praying. Give up. They're not worth the effort, are they? They're choosing to live on the wild side and disregarding the word of God. Give them, give them up. It's, but God is saying to us today, there's nothing beyond his power. Nothing. He says, fear not, believe only, and see what Jesus does for you. That's how I want to end this. See how Jesus deals with you. It's almost like a challenge, isn't it, for us to live trusting Christ. As, as you, Dad, live for the Lord Jesus and bring your children to him. Well, you may say, well, Pastor, my children are all older and they're not in the house. It doesn't really apply to me, does it? Wait a minute. Are you just communicating? Are you communicating with that son or that daughter? Are you communicating? As long as you're communicating, you can bring them to Jesus. And you need to be communicating with Jesus himself. You can still bring your child to God through prayer. And you can also let them see your godly living man. What's most important to you? Your children see what's most important to you. You can't hide it. Let them see your life in Jesus Christ. You may be saying today, what, what, what? Pastor, this doesn't really apply to me. I don't even have any children yet. 
And my word to you would be, you begin now to live by the word of God. Train yourself by the word of God. Obedient sons of God. And be faithful now. Then God can use you later as a great dad. Some of your dad's children are not with you. Maybe they're out wandering in their own life. Well, you can bring your dad to Jesus. But I do believe that God can make us great men, great, great fathers, great granddads, great, great granddads, great uncles who are willing to bring their little ones their children, their big ones, to the feet of Jesus.